As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. To me, timeshares has been the biggest aha, and combined with renting it on Airbnb, that's been an incredible revenue generator for me. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing, maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fun That Flip. You know Fun That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Sue Oyuela. How you doing, Sue? Great. Thanks, Joe, for having me on today. My pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. And we're going to be doing a bit of a change of pace with today's episode. We're going to be talking about Airbnb and how you've had success with Airbnb. A little bit about Sue. She is the creator of the Airbnb success formula. She teaches how to trade long-term tenants for short-term guests and eliminate evictions and double the rental revenue. She is based in Los Angeles, California, and you can say hi to her at her website, which is in the show notes page. So with that being said, Sue, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Well, let's see. I started doing Airbnb back in 2011. It was an exercise in trying to find a way to make an extra $100 to pay towards my debt. And since then, I've used this amazing website to create financial freedom for my family and My passion is to share my success with the world. So I've created a system for doing Airbnb and breaking down short-term rentals into four phases and seven modules to systematize and automate an Airbnb business so that real estate investors can really maximize their income and dial it in so they can outsource and even generate increased passive rental income from their current properties or if they want to build a business to invest in short-term rentals. I recently met with a local investor and 
every time I speak to someone who's doing Airbnb, it's like the cat that ate the canary. They almost feel guilty that they're making so much money from these short-term rentals. They're like, I can't believe I'm buying. I mean, in this case, he bought a $20,000 house near downtown Cincinnati. It's in Kentucky, but for anyone familiar with Cincinnati, it's right next to Kentucky. So he bought it really close to downtown Cincinnati and he's just doing Airbnb. And he's basically paying off the place in six months to eight months, and it's just straight cash flow. So I've interviewed a lot of people, not a lot of people, but a handful of people about this. And clearly, there's a lot of money to be made. How about let's approach it this way. Maybe give a specific example with numbers of a property that you have and comparing it for long-term versus short-term. And then maybe we can go into the phases and the modules just from an overview standpoint. Okay, sure. I would love to. Well, here's an example. A friend of mine, Joel, he had a two-bedroom, two-bath house in Rosemead, California, and he was renting it to long-term tenants for $1,200 a month. And they were great tenants paying on time until one day they just stopped. And he went through the eviction process, and then when the sheriff escorted them out, they didn't go willingly, so they trashed the place. And as he was repairing everything, fixing it up, and thinking, hmm, do I really want to rent this to long-term tenants again? He approached me and he says, hey, do you think this vacation rental thing will work? Rosemead's not really the hot spot in L.A. for people on vacation, but that's also the power of Airbnb is it kind of blows out that location, location, location thing. Mm -hmm. So you have a much wider radius. So we fixed it up for an Airbnb and furnished it. And as soon as we posted it on Airbnb, we started getting bookings. We couldn't believe people would flock to Rosemead, California. But his first month, he made $3,600. So he tripled his rental income. And I call it the power of renting by the night because, for example, when I rented a room in my house, I could get $500 a month for it, and that's about $16 a night. But when you rent it by the night – to short-term vacationing guests for just, let's say, $50 a night, now you're making $1,500 on that same room. So it's about a three-to-one ratio. When you rent short-term, you triple your rental income, which is what most people are finding. You said that your friend Joel fixed up the property for Airbnb and furnished it. Can you elaborate on what fixed it up for Airbnb and furnished it means? Fixing it up is an exercise in identifying who your ideal guest is going to be. You have to ask yourself, who's going to want to stay here? And then once you are kind of in their shoes, then you'll know exactly which amenities to add. So he and his wife had a favorite bed and breakfast that they liked to stay in when they went to Big Bear up in the mountains. And they had had a wonderful time there. So they decided to kind of use the same things in this house as far as like the type of bedding, the style, the colors. They put some postcards in a little box beside the bed for their guests, Mm -hmm. a little welcome bottle of wine when they had checked in. It cost them, I would say on average, about $1,000 per room to fix it up because you do need to furnish the place. So I found that it averages out to about $1,000 per room, depending on the size of the house, to get it set up. And then you can do the math to figure out when you triple your rental income, how quickly that's going to pay back, and then you'll be in profit quite Mm -hmm. quickly. (laughs) And we talk about tripling the rental income, and 
I imagine there are also more expenses on the Airbnb. You clearly get this question a lot. So there's more expenses on the turnover than there would be if you have someone who's living in the house for four years. Because what I've noticed is that's where you get burned a lot is when people move out because you got to fix it up. So you have a three to one ratio for income increases. What's the ratio for expense increases? Well, you know, that's what's kind of mind-blowing. Yes, the landlord does need to put the utilities in their name when they're going to do it as a short-term rental. But you don't have guests in there 30 days out of the month. There's a lot of turnover. So it's not really increasing your utility expenses that much. I would say maybe 6%. But one of the cool things, too, is that you can charge a cleaning fee, and it's separate from the nightly rate. So whatever the cleaning fee is that your maid or your cleaning service charges, you can collect that from the guests, so that expense becomes a wash. Mm -hmm. So the increased costs aren't really that high. Also, if there is something that needs to be repaired, you know about it right away. So things don't become big problems. Joel had another property that he was renting to long-term tenants and even had a property management company that was contracted to check it every six months. But after the tenants moved out after three years, there was a three-foot square hole in the ceiling that had been caused by a steady leak over the years that no one had told him about. Mm -hmm. So those type of things can't happen in a vacation rental, and so they don't become big expenses. Yeah, that's a huge thing for tax purposes, too, because if you repair something, then you can deduct it. But if you improve it, so if you replace it and put something new, then it's not a deduction, at least from my interpretation of taxes based on what I can remember. The management fee, though, that's got to be higher. Well, that's interesting, too. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to go about managing it. One of the things that I've done in my course, the Airbnb Success Formula, is create a system and use automation so that someone can actually manage it themselves in about two hours per week. But there's other ways to outsource that as well. Airbnb provides something called a co-host where you can assign someone to assist you with the daily management of the business. And you can set whatever percentage you want with that person you assign as your co-host. So it could be 1%, 2%, 20%, whatever you feel is fair. What's industry standard? I haven't really found a standard in that sense. There's also a lot of services out there now that are offering to manage it. There's a website called Guesty that puts the power in your hands if you want to use more than just Airbnb and kind of aggregate everything in one spot. They take between 1% and 2%. Mm -hmm. There's another service out there called Turnkey Vacation Rentals, Turnkey VR. I believe they charge between 15 and 20 percent uh, and then nowadays there's just so many other places around you can just look in your local craigslist and find a vacation rental management services they differ from property management there are a few different nuances that go into vacation rentals but if there's a property management company set up to manage that it's very easy to just plug into their services and outsource that what's the process for automating the system so that you spend two hours a week bringing in guests into your property? Oh, awesome. Well, first of all, Airbnb has an app. So by downloading that onto your cell phone, you basically have a business in your pocket. 
And then I've created standard response templates to the most commonly asked questions so that it's a matter of copying and pasting a response that takes less than 30 seconds. And the rest is just staying on top of my team, basically the cleaning and making sure that they're covering it and reporting back to me when the work is done. So I'm basically checking my phone from time to time from the beach, Cancun, wherever I'm at, and basically running the business from my cell phone in my pocket. So I look at it like, wow, I'm only working two hours a week. This is work. Chain me to the wall. So with the cleaning crew, is the cleaning crew and do you have anyone else from a management standpoint or a logistical standpoint that is on your team? I have a property caretaker. One of my strategies is to have my properties within a five-mile radius so that one person can easily access them. They're my boots-on-the-ground person that I can go to in case of something that needs to be taken care of. And they can pretty much just go out and handle changing a light bulb or unclogging a toilet, all that fun stuff. But a lot of times, if you're smart in hiring, your cleaning crew can also handle those services. So you can pretty much boil it down to just a cleaning team, if you Mm -hmm. like. How much should we allocate for cleaning and for the property caretaker? Well, the cleaning is a wash. Right, if you're charging back to the person who's renting. Right, and you can also create a little cash flow from that, <laughs> right, <laughs> multiple yep. streams of income. Yeah, well, how, mu- how much do you pay, and what do you charge for cleaning? It really depends on the size of the house and how long it's going to take. I have individual rooms that I rent, so the cleaning people have to clean one bedroom and one bathroom, and I pay $20 for that. Mm-hmm. I also have a whole house rental, summer five-bedroom, three-bath, 3,000-square-foot houses, So for those, we pay $200. So it's a combination of how long it's going to take and how many people we're going to need, always Um, with the emphasis on being able to change over the house the same day so that you don't miss out on revenue. You don't have to block a day to get it clean because it's too big. Oh, okay. Got it. So they're going to need to know, and they'll have access to your schedule, perhaps even be able to access to your app so that they know exactly when people are coming and going. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, it's just a matter of communication. We set up systems and apps, like you were saying, everything over the Internet and with the cell phones. That's the key. It's so wonderful living in this day and age, and it makes everything so easy. How specifically do you communicate the move-in? I'm going to just call it move-in, move-out dates just for simplicity. The move-in, move-out dates of these short-term renters to your cleaning crew. We have a shared schedule. There's a website called Cozy, C-O-Z-I. And you can export the Airbnb schedule to it and give access to your cleaning crew so that they can see when the check-ins and check-outs are going to be. Mm. And then we are able to communicate who's going to cover this one and assigning everybody and all that good stuff. Do you have one cleaning crew or do you have multiple cleaning crews? I just have one cleaning crew. I've learned to keep things close, so they're all within range of being able to maintain them. (laughs) And was that a hard lesson learned? Yes, actually. What happened? Oh, my goodness. Well, I have to raise my right hand and let everybody know that I bought Swampland in Florida. (laughs) That's right. I'm a cliché. And I bought into this, woohoo, you don't have to be near the property. You can buy it sight unseen and make a lot of money with real estate back in the early days. 
So we bought a property in Florida, and it had a few problems, and we didn't even look at the property beforehand. We just had complete trust that the people who vetted it said it was fine. Boy, were those some good, hard-learned lessons <laughs> to mm -hmm. never repeat again. So now, <laughs> if I'm going to do a property, I'm going to see it myself. I'm going to make sure it's within a distance that I can actually go and see it within reason. So, yeah. So the property itself wasn't a good one, but as far as the cleaning crew goes, did you have an issue coordinating that or was it just the purchase was bad? We were managing it through a property management company who was handling the cleaning. And it was just kind of funny. They would nickel and dime us every month for this and that little expense that all of the wonderful profits are supposed to be making from right. rentals were somehow going into the profit manager's pocket instead. <laughs> So it's really nice if you can kind of oversee what people are doing and have them closer to you. Yeah, and you did a Freudian slip. You called him a profit manager. Oh, did I? <laughs> That's exactly what they were doing. <laughs> uh, on the cleaning crew examples, you said it depends how much you pay them, depending on one bedroom, one bath, 20 bucks, 3,000 square foot, $200. Let's just go with those two examples. $20 to clean a one bedroom, one bath. How much would you charge the person who's staying there? Well, there's so many things involved in that. You're looking at the demographics of the guest who's coming to stay because if they're staying in a private room in a shared house, they're usually a budget traveler, and you don't want the cleaning fee to be higher than what they're paying per night. So on that one, I would go as high as $25 for the cleaning fee. For the five-bedroom, three-bath, it's like a mini mansion. It's very high-end. People are paying $250, $300 per night to stay there, so I'm able to charge more for the cleaning, and it's not going to deter anybody from booking the place. Mm -hmm. What would you charge? If you had to pay $200, what would you charge there? About $250. Okay. I have to keep in mind, Airbnb does take 3% from every booking that they get for you, so that does factor in as well. So you don't keep 250 you keep 250 minus 3%. Mm -hmm. How many Airbnb rentals do you have, and where are they located, roughly? Well, I've been using four different business models to get properties under contract. So I currently have 11 properties under contract, and most of them are within a 10-mile radius of where I am, basically in San Gabriel Valley, which is on the east side of Los Angeles County. I'm definitely not in the heart of Hollywood or Santa Monica where the tourists want to be, mm -hmm. but I'm finding that I'm still able to make quite a good profit out here in the suburbs. And I also offer reservation management services for busy landlords that want to get in on the lucrative short-term rental game but don't have the time or inclination to get involved with the management. So I'll partner with them. So some of those properties are farther out, Coachella Valley, Anaheim, and um, where else? <laughs> yeah, I've got them spread out. <laughs> yeah, they're, spread, yeah they're, they're sprinkled all over California. Yes. What exactly do you mean when you said you got four different business models to get properties under contract and you have 11 under contract? The first business model is the bed and breakfast model, where Airbnb is one of the few booking engines that will allow you to rent less than a whole house. 
And this is where it's really fun because you can take one house and break it up into multiple profit centers by renting individual private rooms and even spaces. So I've rented the couch in my living room. I've turned the closet under my staircase into the Harry Potter cupboard under the stairs room. Oh my. I've rented a tent in my backyard. I've tested the limits of this. How creative can you get with space? How much did you charge for a tent in your backyard? We were making $700 a month for it. And you said were, so are you not any longer? Right. It's a seasonal thing because in California, you probably don't want to be in a tent in the backyard in the wintertime. So we're getting ready to put it back up, though, as we're moving into summer. Okay. Yeah. So that was what I called the bed and breakfast model. The concept is the sum of the parts is worth more than the whole because when I'm renting spaces in my house, I can generate maybe 6000 to $10,000 per month just by finding different spaces mm-hmm. people will rent, my laundry room, who knows. Anywhere you can let somebody sleep, give them a mm-hmm. pillow and a blanket and they're set. Mm-hmm. Then the whole house vacation rental model, of course, is the standard one that most people are familiar with. So yep. renting a whole house. The other two business models, I discovered that this may blow people's minds. Timeshares are a fantastic investment. I pay $900 a year in dues, and I rent out my free week for $2,800. <laughs> so that's like a 200-plus percent return on my investment year after year. you paid to go on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so timeshares are an amazing investment. I have a product called Timeshare Goldmine to help people turn their timeshares into a gold mine because so many people are frustrated with them, and they don't realize that they're sitting on a fantastic cash flow that would make other investors jealous. And then the last one that I also referred to was reservation management, helping other people who want to get in on the lucrative short-term rental game make that triple the rental income. I refer to them as my just-send-me-a-check landlords. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be bothered. They just want the passive income. So Mm -hmm. we take care of the management for them and send them a check. So when you said you have 11 properties under contract, does that mean that you have 11 properties that you own and you're currently using the Airbnb model? Well, one of the things that I got into early on was I realized that by purchasing properties, I wasn't going to be able to scale my business very quickly because it takes a lot of capital. Yep. So I really focus on leverage. The only house I own is my own personal home Uh and the timeshares. The rest, I rent other people's property. Okay. And that's been a fantastic strategy because, for example, one property that we rented, we were the landlord's best tenants mm-hmm. because it's in our best interest, it's our reputation on the line to maintain the property in pristine condition. Yep. And she loved us. We paid our rent early. It was no problem paying her the 2500 a month she wanted because we were cash flowing 4500 a month. Mm-hmm. So at the end, though, she decided she wanted to sell the property, and she gave us first pick at it. But we were able to say, you know, we've seen a lot living in this property for the last three years, and it's got some problems. The city's coming down on it for unpermitted additions. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. And we could give it back and move on to the next. So that's a try-before-you-buy strategy also. (laughs) When you say under contract, do you have it under purchase and sale contract, or you are a renter and you're renting it out via Airbnb, so you're subleasing it and you're just making the spread off the top? Correct. That's a very broad term. I say that intentionally because under contract could mean a purchase contract or it could mean a lease 
contract, right, 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 or it right. could be a sandwich lease, a master lease. It could be a timeshare deed that you own the property with, mm-hmm. you know, as a timeshare, or a reservation management contract. So the idea is to control the property. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Once you have it under control, now you're in business. Oh, that's such an interesting business model. I'm really grateful that you're on the show. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever for real estate investors? Well, I just wanted to share with everybody, especially the timeshare piece. A lot of people are suffering with the dues for something they're not even using, and they don't even realize that they're sitting on a gold mine. So to me, timeshares has been the biggest aha, and combined with renting it on Airbnb, that's been an incredible revenue generator for me. So I just wanted to share that with your best ever listeners. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay. (laughs) Deep breaths and she's ready. First though, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellin.com forward slash show. That's dwellynn.com forward slash show. What's the best ever book you've read? Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey. His seven baby steps changed my life best ever transaction or deal that you've done from a short-term rental standpoint? Oh, yeah. Bought a timeshare for a dollar and make 1200 a year off of it. What's a mistake you've made on one of these transactions? Buying swampland in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing my due diligence, yeah. <laughs> What's the best ever way you like to give back? Well, I would love to give back to the best ever listeners. A lot of people who start doing Airbnb, they want to know if it's going to work on their property. And I have a pro forma analysis system that I wanted to give everybody. They can simply go to AirbnbVacationRentalBusiness.com and download it for free. Great. That's the link in the show notes page, best ever listeners. And in addition to that, what's the best way the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? Or is that it? They can get in touch with me at my email address also. It's sue at vacationrentalsinla.net. Excellent. Well, Sue, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for educating us, or at least me, on the intricacies of vacation rentals, how you make money, the things to look out for, how to make a profit on certain expenses like the cleaning expense, Well, one thing I think I asked, but I don't remember if we got an answer for, and it's my bad if we didn't, property caretaker, how much should we allocate for that person from an expense standpoint? Well, can I kind of blow your mind for a second? Yeah, sure. (laughs) One of the things that we've set up with our property caretakers is that if they live in our properties, 
we will either give them a reduced rent or free rent in exchange for their services. So it really doesn't come out as a cost, but it could actually be an income producer if you charge them a reduced rent. But it's really up to you to work out whatever works best for each other. We're always looking for a win-win situation. I think the theme here is how resourceful and just crafty and crafty in a good way you've become at getting the most out of this process with the four different business models that you have, how you're in some cases renting a home from someone and subleasing that out. I assume it's all disclosed on the front end and then making a spread. And I know I have friends in New York City who were doing that in the West Village, and they were making a killing. And I don't know if they were properly disclosing what they were doing, but they'd make like four, five, six thousand dollars a month just off of a West Village apartment. So it's a fascinating business. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for talking about it. Hope you have the best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's com forward slash show.